Look in my eyes. What do you see? Oh, that's right, folks. I am the cult of personality. Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. We are here in Apologetics 101 for another round of the show, where in today's episode, things are going to get a little cultish as we try to answer the question, what is a cult? And how does that affect us as we study Apologetics 101? Thanks for coming back for another exciting edition. This is the part where I try not to drop my phone. Oh, ho, ho. I did it this time, folks. I did not drop anything, make any loud clutter, and shockingly, it looks like my son is actually asleep. At least that's what the baby monitor seems to be indicating. Go me. Everything's everything's awesome. Everything's going great. Again, today we're going to be talking about cults. What is a cult? Because I feel like, I think I talked about this a little bit last week as we talked about a couple world religions. When it comes to this, um, when it comes to this word cult, I think some people, even Christians, are sometimes a little, a little flippant by its use. Like if something just doesn't quite match up what we think it should be, we we are quick to label it a cult. And even last week on the show, we talked about how there may be, it, it sounds like we're splitting hairs, but there may even be times where something is not a cult, but they're cultic, meaning that they have some cult-like tendencies, but they still believe in Jesus and uh, affirm the Trinity and other important uh, teachings. And so in today's episode, we're going to look at what what is a cult? What are these things? What are common characteristics of cult behavior? And then even maybe run it through the lens of ourselves as Christians. What does it look like? Is is Christianity a cult? Are we just is is nothing a religion and is everything a cult? Okay, I think the answer to that is no, because there would be other forms of religion where you're just trying to become like a being, like a pure spiritual being. Uh, anyway, anyway, so let's get into this. What is What does it mean when we talk about something is a cult? Cults are schisms from a mainstream religion where the leader claims to have the real truth from God. Cults see themselves as the only group going to heaven. So a few things stand out to me here right off the bat with this definition of cults. This is coming from the book I've been reading, the uh, the apologetics encyclopedia that I have been reading for this uh, study we've been doing. This definition comes from them. And a few things stand out to me uh, from this definition. First off, uh, this idea right off the bat that cults are schisms from a mainstream religion. I don't know if that's necessarily always true or if their definition of a cult is limited. I don't know because... What we're going to see as we go through a lot of their examples is that there are a lot of cults that have Christian-like teachings. We highlighted a little bit one from last week when we talked specifically about the Branch Davidians from the 
um, Seventh-day Adventist split within a split within a split, right? Uh, they have some Christian-like teachings. They believe David Koresh was Jesus. Like, <laughs> they have some things that kind of sound Christian-y. But this does then pose an interesting um, dilemma when it comes to something like Scientology, Nexium, or the one that we've been hearing about a lot lately in the news and in the cult study world, the, the Sarah Lawrence cult. You know, Nexium, Sarah Lawrence cult, which it's called the Sarah Lawrence cult because it actually didn't have a name, rely very heavily on like coaching positive mentality stuff there's no real like religious teachings that went on in these two groups it was all like that very like um positive coaching mentality stuff living your full life blah 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 and scientology although there is religious aspects to scientology scientology actually started as like a it was of proposed form of counseling mental health counseling is what l ron hubbard initially pitched the idea as i think the full title to dianetics which is one of their main texts uh is uh, dianetics and the subtitle is something like a new way to mental health counseling like these things and scientology has morphed or grew from that to be more of a religious sect but right off the bat if we are only counting things that have that pull from a main religious source in order to qualify as a cult there's a lot there's a a handful of them that then aren't a cult even though we've always have talked about them that way um the leader claims to be the only uh, real truth from God. Cults see themselves as the only group going to heaven. And this is one that like, it's going to come back up. And so maybe I'll just say it now and then just continue to repeat myself throughout the episode, which is a normal thing that I do of. Yeah, but so do we (laughs) like Christians believe that we're the only ones going to heaven. And the way that the, the authors kind of differentiate this from Christianity and cults is that each individual cult believes that they are the only ones going to heaven. They have the market on, they, they own the market on the actual truth. Whereas in Christianity, that can be a spectrum of denominations. That's how they like split hairs on that of like, yes, we claim that those who believe in Jesus are saved as long as you don't uh, adhere to universalist doctrine and theology. Um, If you believe in limited salvation through only through Jesus, then anyone within Christianity, any single denomination can be saved, but not everyone. You get what I'm saying there? Like I, I see the point they're trying to raise, but also like that's, kind of how we operate cult logic is all built on the concept of we alone have the truth and since truth is um it's basically always adhered to one person like this one person the leader is the source of all truth 
Questioning uh, that person is seen as spiritual rebellion. So logic and reason is obviously a big, a big part of apologetics. We've said that almost in every episode, the importance of reason and logic. The issue, though, when it comes to cult, dialoguing about cults is that there, there really is no logic. The logic comes all the way down to the fact that the one person who claims to be God or one of the two final prophets in the book of Revelation or whoever, you know, just a really nice guy that everyone calls Vanguard, that was Keith Rainier and uh, Nexium. Whatever the case may be, because that person owns the corner of the market on truth, that that's it. That's all the logic. As long as person X says this, okay. And so to question a leader's authority on a teaching, that results in bad things. <laughs> bad things for everyone involved. All that to say... It's going to be difficult then if you are to somehow run into somebody who is a part of a cult or even, I would say, people who are in cultic situations like we talked about last week with like the Adventists, the Seventh-day Adventists, maybe even some churches within the independent fundamental Baptist world where it's a little bit more cultic than it is cult. Um, The fact that in many of those situations, still the leader the pastor the is like considered is revered (laughs) maybe a little bit more than that person uh, should be that yeah questioning pastor so-and-so is going to result in some issues because that person like that person was put here by god to teach us like who are you to to judge what they have to say. Okay, so we have here five. I don't know why it's like this every single time, but there's five main things to look for when you're trying to determine if this is a cult or not. And then there's five additional like subpoints. So, main characteristics of a cult number 1. Extra biblical revelation. There is more than just the Bible. And not just like, you know, some Christians love mere Christianity. Some Christians love desiring God. Some Christians love uh, John Calvin's Institutes. Like, you know, there is, you know, we have high praise for certain books. This is extra biblical. This is like you have a whole separate additional book that you believe to be of equal possibly even greater value than the word of God itself. So like I said last week, I'm kind of, for me, the jury is kind of out on the whole are Jehovah Witnesses a cult or just a separate religion that operates and has similar teachings to Christianity. But they do include the Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons because they both have extra biblical texts. Um, Christian science, which is not Scientology and also not Christians who like work in scientific fields. Christian science is a whole separate um, is a whole separate cult religion situation. It's actually one I'm very unfamiliar with. That's one that I need to get into a bit more because um, I don't 
it, it also doesn't just like, I get a lot of my information from documentaries, okay? And there must not be that much like shocking history when it comes to the Christian science community because, you know, there's plenty of stuff out there about other groups, but I never see stuff about Christian science. Uh, Branch Davidians, obviously, because um, David Koresh was believed to be Jesus, proclaimed himself to be Jesus. So basically, whatever he says is like the Third Testament. Um, Heaven's Gate, also, they the leaders of Heaven's Gate, initially, the two leaders declared themselves to be the two prophets that are uh, in the book of Revelation, who I think a lot of people would say is like Daniel and Elijah, or Moses and Elijah, like they 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 said that they were the last two prophets and um for those of you unfamiliar with heaven's gate it was a blending of new age spiritualism christianity and ufoology and they had like their whole like a sci-fi textbook and loved watching star trek a lot of interesting things with um heaven's gate but yes all of these groups have additional holy books or their person is considered to be literally the mouth of God or the mouthpiece of God. One group that they include that I'm pretty confident though is not a cult. It is a separate religion, Islam. They believed that or the the authors of the book included Islam because of the Quran and I don't agree with that at all. Like, yes, it's an extra biblical book, but I don't agree with that at all as a cult. Like, Islam is very clearly a separate religion. It's its own religion. Um, so that's our first, first off. If you are talking to somebody, you have to clarify if they have any additional works that are extra biblical that are held to similar or greater authority as the Bible. Characteristic number two, presuppositions leadership, presumptuous leadership. I'll say it right eventually, folks. Presumptuous leadership. Um, These are um, the leaders of cults are quite fascinating. If you would like to hear more about the leaders of cults, you can go back to October where for kicks and giggles, it was right around Halloween and it was leadership 101. I thought it would be funny and also helpful to have a conversation about the leadership traits of cult leaders. It fit with the season. It fit with the topic. And also, I really think that as we continue to study the topic of leadership, we really do need to make a pit stop every once in a while to actually talk about like toxic leadership. I think there's a place for that in the conversation. And my good friend Annie was on that episode. I was really trying to get her back so we could do this episode together. But we it scheduling, we both have had a crazy springtime season i think we're both looking forward to the summer to like kick up our feet and just relax for a little bit um yes so she was supposed to be here for today's episode but uh leaders within cults oftentimes not the best people a lot of a lot of toxic leadership comes out of cults but when you proclaim yourself to be jesus or the mouthpiece of god or the prophets of the 
of the book of Revelation, then who's really gonna like, you know, who cares if you're a horrible person? David Koresh and Jim Jones, so Koresh Branch Davidians, Jim Jones associated with Jonestown, right? Um, are extreme examples who also have uh, similar upbringings. Uh, both of these men, very extreme examples within their leadership. You have Koresh, who was going to lead an army, essentially, against the U.S. government and you know, everyone, not everyone, a large group of the Branch Davidians paid with their lives for that. Also, the U.S. government's, like, inability to communicate well during all of that also played a factor. Uh, Jim Jones, um, most known for uh, having this church that was very, very, very uh, liberal theology, very... Um, socialistic minded theology that um, as an act of rebellion and also for fear that the U.S. government was going to come and kill them all, they uh, committed mass suicide together. Man, I meant to do this up at the top, folks, so I apologize and I will um, say it now that there needs to be a trigger warning. There needs to be a trigger warning. Um, just in case parental advisory is suggested for the remainder of this episode, because this is why I really need to write more of a script because we could be getting into some very sensitive topics, obviously, as I just said a moment ago. So if you got little ones around or if the topics of suicide, um, eating disorders sexual and physical abuse like if these things are triggering to you then thanks for hanging in with us for the past almost 20 minutes now come back next week for a super for a super family friendly episode trust me it's a very family friendly episode next week come back for that anyway so Korish and Korish and Jim Jones both had you know had these groups that ultimately ended with the majority of them losing their lives for the cause that their leaders was pushing them towards cornering the market on truth, presenting themselves as like this great teacher and yet kind of treating their people and also having these like very similar upbringings that showed a desire for power, for sex, for control that, it's almost, it's sad to say, but it's almost like inevitable that something like this was going to happen. You would hope that something like as tragic as these two events wouldn't have occurred. But, you know, when when the leadership is this toxic, this power hungry, this driven by sex and control, like, like Koresh was having sex with the women in the church and they were all cool with it because it's like, you know, they saw it as like an act of worship. They're having intimacy with God in a very physically literal way. Su Ming, Su, pardon me, Su Myung Moon, uh, who dicta- he dictates marriages. That's the Moonies. I also know very little about the Moonies. That's a group I have not really gotten around to. I believe they were popular back in like the 60s and 70s. I don't know if they're still around today, though. Um, 
And David Burge of the Children of God allowed incest in their group. So as you can see, you have these leaders who do very strange, very toxic things to their groups. Um, very controlling, as you can see. Um, again, when you set yourself up as these men do in this leadership position, I mean, who are you to question them? One of the few that I can point back towards, and again, you can hear a fuller rundown of even more leaders in that episode from October. Um, one group, one leadership duo that I think you don't see as much of like this toxicness per se is Heaven's Gate. The two leaders of Heaven's Gate were actually really good to their group. Obviously, if you don't know the punchline, this also ends in a mass suicide. Um, but as opposed to Jonestown, where there is more of a manipulation in order for this to happen, Heaven's Gate was more willing because they believed that the end of the world was coming and that this meteor that was passing over the earth in 1999 was actually a spaceship that was going to take them to their next planet. And so the only way to get on board was by committing suicide. They had a different term for it. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't as malicious as you see with like Jim Jones, who was just that power hungry and that controlling that to do something like that to his group probably boosted his ego even the, I mean he was tempting his group with suicide for years even before the um, group committed it together so characteristic number three we have extra biblical revelation we have presumptuous leadership and we have exclusive salvation okay what does that mean exclusive salvation they are the only ones getting saved <laughs> everyone else is going to hell spiritual growth is tied to oh sorry i'm getting into my next thought um okay so like i said earlier this is where there's a little bit of like a yeah but type of thing where we also say as Christians, we have the path to salvation and it lies in Jesus. I guess, again, the difference is, though, is that there are many groups within Christianity who claim that on a spectrum of different teachings, on a spectrum of different first, second, and third tier teachings, but with cults, it's th th we are the way. This is the way it turns into the Mandalorian. This is the way like the, that is, that is how they operate. We are the ones getting saved. We are the real chosen ones. And because of that, you have some very unique teachings within certain cult groups, remnant church led by, um, for a long time led by Gwen Shamblin, who I always want to say Stefani. And I know that's absolutely wrong. Holler back girl. Um, but Gwen Shamblin with Remnant Church, they had one of their main teachings is that your like spiritual growth was very much tied to weight loss and staying thin. Like 
And this is one of those situations. We talked about this a little bit on that episode back in October of when is something a cult and when is it just a religion or just Christians acting really weird? Again, going to what we talked about last week of being cultic, but not a cult. And I'm still kind of, the jury is still kind of out for me on Gwen Shamblin and Remnant Church, although uh, shout out to listener and former roommate, Aaron, uh, who chimed in on the conversation on social media. He had been to let us know that he had been following the teachings of Gwen Shamblin for a while. Don't know why, but he had. And he very much said, oh no, this is a cult. This she was She was very much a cult leader leading a cult, not just peculiar Christians with unique beliefs. But you have something like that where you have like your sanctification is directly tied to staying thin. Um, Other interesting teachings, uh, Jehovah Witnesses believe the church age ended in 1914. Cool. Um, Brigham Young not the college, but the actual person of the Mormons uh, said that if you don't believe God sent Joseph Smith, then you are an antichrist. Like it doesn't get too much, like too much more black and white than that, folks. If you don't think God sent Joseph Smith, you're an antichrist in the teachings of the Mormons. So you see that you see here this exclusivity or, the uniqueness of some of their teachings that make them very unique and exclusive from other groups. Like, I don't know. I know of some pretty odd churches out there. I don't know anybody who's really trying to like push weight loss as a sign of your spiritual growth. If anything, it's the other way around with some churches I know. Number four, number four characteristic, limited eschatology. Have you noticed how much of this conversation keeps coming back to end times stuff? Oh, well, bonus points for you if you caught that because, yeah, that's like a whole thing with a lot of these cults is eschatology. Uh, Some cults are entirely based on end times beliefs and, pre- and predictions. Again, you go back to the Jehovah Witnesses, um, Heaven's Gate. Um, the, all, both of these groups were, uh, even Branch Davidians, these groups were all about the end times. Jehovah Witnesses, we, you know, we went through their story last week, so you can get a fuller picture of it uh, in last week's episode if you missed it, where like their whole belief system is based on predicting the end times. That's that is how we get the that is how we get the uh, the Jehovah Witnesses was through the teachings of someone who was trying to predict the return of Jesus. You have Heaven's Gate, like I talked about earlier. You ha- the leaders taught that they were the two last prophets in the Book of Revelation. They thought the world was ending in 1999, so they had the mass suicide, like. They, they, their mission was end times related. Again, Branch Davidians, they believed that they were going to fight the Battle of Armageddon against the U.S. government. 
Like these people are all about the end times. Um, I would even add in there, uh, you have the Adventist church in general. You could add that in there as well, as we talked about last week, how much of their faith revolves around predicting the end times, how much of their church history revolves around predicting the return of Jesus as well. So if you noticed that this whole end times thing keeps coming back up, well, that's because it's like the main piece of theology in their teachings. And you don't, (laughs) it seems like you don't really get much else. Um, I don't know if there's actually been, let me look back over this real quick. Um, it looks like, oh, I think Branch Davidians have almost come up every single time. I'm trying to see if there's anybody who is like, like literally every single one of these matches with a certain group. Because that's the thing. They never clarify in the book if you have to hit just one of these, all five of these, two or three of these in order to qualify as a cult. And as you can see from our conversation, not everyone is necessarily like defined by all five of these. And last but not least on that note, number five, persecution complex, which makes sense if you have a limited eschatology and it's all about, you know, the end times. Uh, Branch Davidians were armed to the teeth because they believed the government was going to start Armageddon with them. That's how this all started, is that the government eventually caught when the, um, oh, what is that group? The food and drug and, not the FDA, not the FDA, um, the group that's like all about like nicotine and firearms. Like It's like a weird uh, subsect of the government that's like, that does the FDA stuff, but for like very specific things that can kill you. Um, They caught wind of the fact that the branch Davidians were hoarding and illegally modifying weapons and stockpiling ammunition. And that's how that all got started. Um, And it's because they believe that they were going to fight Armageddon against the U S government. QAnon. Ooh. Um, QAnon, which was that uh, whole thing. I don't know if that's still going on or not. It probably is to some degree. But QAnon was that whole thing. It was very popular during uh, COVID particularly um, that sought to essentially tie up a bunch of conspiracy theories all into one neat package. And in QAnon, uh, woke liberals are destroying America. The Hollywood elites are destroying America. And it's um, the right-wing, very right-wing conservative America is under persecution. And the only person that can save us is Donald Trump. That's right, folks. You heard me correctly. The savior, the hero, is Donald Trump. So that is, um, those are the five main characteristics of cult leadership or cult leadership of of what is a cult when you're talking about these different religions um these different unique groups um you have to ask yourself do they have an extra extra biblical revelation are they do they have presumptuous leadership exclusivity of salvation limited eschatology and 
um, persecution complex. I would say of those five as well, it's those last two that seem to be the most common of like the, those, those two and also the presumptuous leadership because that is the thing that oftentimes uh, causes issues um, that eventually leads to groundbreaking documentaries hitting Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max. I want to read real quick Matthew twenty two twenty nine. Jesus replied, Jesus, Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. How do you get ready to interact with someone who's in a cult? If you actually suspect that somebody you know is in a cult or maybe even like in a cultic situation, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. When it comes to when it comes to engaging someone from a cult, I will bring up again what we talked about last week with specifically with the Jehovah Witnesses is you do need to engage them as a person in need of a relationship and community like you would anyone else. Spend time with them, get to know them, get to know their teachings, but you also need to know the scriptures. Um, and for cults, they need to know the power of God. Um, but you need to know the scriptures because there's going to be situations where we could be both appealing to the same book. They may have a unique take on it or additional extra biblical sources to go with it. Extra biblical sources that they hold even higher than the Bible. But you, you need to be familiar with the teachings of scripture. You can't just do because the Bible said so, because, because that's what my youth pastor told me. Like when you engage somebody from a different religion and particularly from a cult, as we have established with their logic situation that's going on here, you have to know what you believe. If there's any practical punchline from this episode, because who knows, you may never actually meet somebody who is in a cult, maybe in a cultic situation, but not a cult. If the thing you need to know is the Bible. Get into God's word. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe the end times teachings that you do believe? Why do you believe in the exclusivity of scripture or the exclusivity of Jesus, but also the broadness for the um, different teachings within Christianity, as long as you have some of these first tier teachings. Like you need to know the Bible. You need to know what you believe, but also don't be a jerk and beat them to death with the Bible. I, it can be scary. You know, especially if you actually have someone who is in a cult situation, like it can be terrifying to know what could be to imagine what could be going on, you know, because like I said, a lot of these have very dark histories. Naturally, Christianity has a very dark history as well. But a lot of these groups have very dark histories, very sad, tragic endings to a lot of these groups. So you need to be aware of what you believe and be able to engage with a person on a relational level 
without just attacking their beliefs and attacking the person who's leading the group. Obviously, you might come to this idea of like, if you take out the leader, everything's fine. Like, no, you slower pitch baseball here. Like you, you need to be with the person and care for them and speak truth to them without breaking the relationship. It's a very fragile situation to be in. Like I said, we have a few additional, um, few additional things to be aware of, of what a cult could be. I've said this phrase a couple times and it's a logical thing to say a corner on the truth. When your leader is the guy that God has sent or is God to communicate truth, obviously if they're going to have exclusivity of scripture, obviously if they're going to have extra biblical books that are greater than the Bible, then a natural outcome is that they own the market on truth. Why go to any other group? We, this small remnant of people, we're the right ones. Everyone else is a sheep. Everyone else is blinded by whatever. Number two, oppositional stance because you own the truth. They're going to be offensive. If you own the truth, they're going to say that you're the blind one. You're the brainwashed one. You're the one who is shallow and doesn't know what they believe. They have the truth and they will tell you it. Number three, denial of the Trinity. Okay, this is like a big one. Um, Remnant Church. Uh, denies the Trinity. Christian science denies the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses, as we talked about, um, and Mormons uh, both deny the deity of Jesus. Like we said last week, Jehovah's Witnesses uh, equate Jesus to Michael the Archangel. They're the same person. So if there is a denial of the Trinity, there's a bit of an issue here. Okay. So we have the cult. Um, corner of the troop oppositional stance because you own the truth denial of the trinity um defective christology in other words david chorus is jesus like that's uh that is another common thing is not only do they distort not only do they deny the trinity in a lot of these groups they also have very poor christology uh whether it's Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Uh, Jesus is David Koresh. Jesus isn't even relevant to the conversation, like Heaven's Gate or Jonestown. Like these, they they have defective Christology. And finally, salvation by works. Biblical Christianity is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. That is biblical christianity salvation by faith through jesus through the finished work of jesus christ on the cross and if you're running into something else start taking notes so that's a cult what's a cult it is whatever i just said for the past almost 40 minutes now that is what a cult is (laughs) thank you for listening to today's episode i hope that helps i know like I said, up at the top, sometimes we're a little flippant with this word, you know, I slap it on anything that doesn't really necessarily add up in our mind of like, that seems a little weird there. You're not really Christians or really a religion. 
Keep in mind, like I also said up at the front, this might not be the fullest picture of a cult because this does eliminate certain groups that oftentimes are identified by cult experts as cults. Am I a cult expert, you ask? No, I'm a rank amateur. I just like watching these documentaries and making notes and thinking about these things because, you know, it it really puts certain teachings that you hear within evangelicalism and American Christianity into certain light of like, are we, are we actually teaching things that actually sound more like the, like a cult than the Bible? Cult stuff, man. It's interesting. Hopefully you don't actually run into one. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and please follow the show um, on Facebook and Instagram and hit the follow button on Spotify. And I think also Apple podcasts to keep up with all the shows from the Anazow ministries podcast network. We have a bunch of great shows on here. Um, My seminary life is just one of several and, We're looking to continue to grow throughout the next few weeks. I believe Josh has recently launched his third podcast because he's insane. The Dummy for Theology. It's going to be a monthly show where he's going to take a topic from the world of theology and give one person's take that he really likes and give another person's take that he really likes that uh, actually are two very opposing views on whatever that topic is. So uh, if something like that sounds interesting to you, um, you can subscribe to the show or again to the Anatile Ministries podcast network page on Facebook. Spotify. We do have a Facebook and Instagram though. You should also follow the show, follow the network on there as well. As always, you can go down to the description of this episode to find links to all of the important things. And if you ever have a question, comment, or concern, you can send them to me at email seminarylife at gmail.com. If you are listening to this on Saturday when the episode comes out, I'm literally at the Every Tribe Denomination and Tongue Convention in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I wish you could be here. Maybe you are. And instead of engaging, you're listening to the podcast dude go just come hang out with me i'm right here in the same room as you anyway um we're gonna be doing uh doing that this weekend next week on the show as i talked about earlier it's gonna be a much more family-friendly episode as apologetics 101 comes to an end yes that's right folks next week is the last episode of this series it's been a really good series and it has been renewed producer cooper has renewed the series for next year so we'll be running it back with apologetics 201 next year yay we have a lot actually running back a lot of series next year um we have but next week on the show I'm going to be sitting down with friend of the show, Pastor Scott Irwin, to talk about apologetics for teens. We've been talking about very specific topics within apologetics. Next week, we're going to talk about a very specific group that needs to be exposed to apologetics. So that's next week on the show for the finale. And keep in mind, May 22nd is our next live stream hangout on Facebook. You can find the event page on our Facebook page at My Seminary Life Pod. Um, writing the script for the episode. If you have any questions you would like me to cover on that live stream, again, 
email me or slide into the show's DMs. Okay, that's enough rambling for me. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, this is Brandon signing off, reminding you that theology is for everyone, so keep on studying.